0: You're listening to the Science of Everything podcast, episode 26, Human Organ Systems. And I'm your host, James Fodor. This episode is in continuation from the previous episode where I talked about tissues, tissues, organs and systems. In this episode, I'm going to discuss the human organ systems in more detail, what they do in general terms. And I'll conclude with a broad discussion of how organ systems work together to... The human body going and to fulfill its function. Bear in mind that this is only a brief introduction to all the systems just so you have an idea of what they are and what they do. I'll go into more detail on each of these systems in a future episode, probably about one, maybe sometimes two systems to a podcast. So, hopefully, this will be a relatively short episode because it's just a continuation of uh, episode 25. Recommend that you listen to that before you listen to this one if you haven't already. Alright, so let's get started. Human organ systems. One thing that I'd like to point out, many of these systems are quite similar in most mammals. Indeed, many animals uh, in general have, have similar systems. But sp- my comments are going to be specifically directed to human organ systems. Okay, so human, the human organ systems, there are approximately a dozen of them, depends exactly how to categorize them. They can be lumped together in different ways, but the way I prefer is to lump them into the very broad categories of the systems that provide for the structure and protection of the human body those that provide for metabolism, those that uh, facilitate communication, and then sort of on its own is the reproductive system. So I'm going to talk about each of those in turn in those groupings, rather than, say, alphabetical order or some other order that sometimes is presented, which isn't very helpful. So we'll start with the systems that provide for structure and protection of the human body. The first one I'm going to talk about is the skeletal system. Now, this consists of all of the bones in the human body both the fused bones, like the bones in the skull, and uh, other bones connected together. Bones are generally connected um, and supported by ligaments, tendons, also muscles and cartilage. I talked about some of those things in the, in the previous episode. The purpose of the skeletal system is basically to serve as a scaffold to support the organs uh, and also muscles in various parts of the body. It also protects important organs, such as, for example, the ribcage protecting the heart uh, and, and lungs, and, of course, the skull protecting the brain. Remember from the previous episode, bones are not just lumps of sort of hard matter. They're actually living tissue uh, with uh, constant death and rebirth of cells and uh, changes in the uh, mineral substrate of the uh, the extracellular material and so on. So so the, the skeletal system is really a proper system. Perhaps uh, one of the other main important functions of the skeletal system is also to move the body because all the... Although muscles, many people think are associated with moving the body, muscles actually what they do is pull on bones. It's actually sort of the bones that move things around directly in some sense. So it's sort of muscles contract which then pulls on tendons which then moves the bones which allows the limbs to move and the body to move and so on. So that, that's the skeletal system. Basically it protects vital organs, helps supports the body and helps move it around. So closely related to the skeletal system is obviously the muscular system. This consists of the skeletal smooth and cardiac muscles, uh, which we covered in previous episode. Obviously, the muscular system permits the movement of the body and maintains our posture. It also produces a lot of body heat, obviously, as we move around. That requires contracting and relaxation of muscles, which uh, requires uh, metabolism to generate the energy necessary to move those proteins around. And that, in turn, generates a lot of heat. Uh, so, so, muscles are important for maintaining body temperature as well. Muscles are also important for circulating blood, obviously, particularly, particularly the cardiac muscles, and also smooth muscles are responsible for helping blood vessels pump blood around and also uh, moving other things like um, passing materials through the ge- digestive system and so on. So, muscles generally for moving the body and moving things around inside the body. Very important. Um, muscles also comprise a large proportion of the overall weight of the body. I think it's something like a third or something like that. It does differ between men and women. but So, they, they do weigh a lot and use a lot of energy. Okay, next one is the integumentary system. This is basically the skin and its appendages, which include hair, scales, obviously not in humans, uh, and feathers, also not found in humans, but nails. So so nails and hair are all part of the integumentary system, but it's mostly just the skin. The skin is also actually rather heavy. I forget how heavy exactly, but it's some significant fraction of total body weight. Most people, this is a slightly less familiar system, but it's a very important one. First of all, uh, as you might have guessed by its grouping, it does provide for protection and cushioning of the body. It's sort of part of the immune system, which I'll talk about in a second. So it does protect from pathogens from getting in, inside the body and uh, in, and infecting us. It also keeps out water, so it prevents or keeps water in to prevent the body from becoming desiccated, dried out, uh, and just generally keeps things together, protects us from injuries uh, and so on. Obviously, if internal organs like the brain or the heart were exposed to the outside world, they'd be a uh, much higher risk of injury. So the integumentary system is very important in providing for that. The thickness of the skin and also the um, adipose or fat tissue that lies uh, directly beneath the skin in most places uh, varies greatly in thickness depending on how much support and protection that section of the body requires. So for example, the buttocks and, and soles of the feet have a very thick layers of skin and, and fat uh, and adipose tissue under, uh, underlying them because they require a lot of support. Whereas, say, something like the forehead or eyelids uh, have very little, because that does not require as much support, which just emphasizes the importance of the integumentary system and providing that protection, cushioning, and support, and so on. The integumentary system is also the attachment site for sensory receptors to detect pain, pressure, temperature, and touch, which basically means we we feel with the skin, uh, which really makes sense because that's the part of us that interacts with the external environment, so it needs to be able to sense pain and pressure and so on. Okay, so moving on to the lymphatic system. Now, the lymphatic system is another one that is a bit less well-known. It's basically part of the immune system, although it does a few other things as well. The lymphatic system is actually interesting because pretty much everyone's familiar with the circulatory system, which is the heart and blood vessels, uh, veins and arteries, which I'll talk about in a second, but that run throughout the body, and there's larger ones and smaller ones, and they extend pretty much everywhere. So people have that concept uh, that we have this sort of system of blood vessels throughout the body but what they don't realize is that we actually have a second system of of vessels not blood vessels but but similar conduits uh, with larger and smaller passages which extend throughout the body called the lymphatic system um, or lymphatic vessels and the lymphatic vessels carry a clear fluid called lymph in the direction of the heart lymph is essentially just the intercellular fluid um, or intercellular matrix that exists or, or is present throughout the body or through many uh, many regions of the body, at least. You know, and it contains all the regular things you would expect to find, like proteins and electrolytes and that sort of thing, but it's mostly water. So, one thing that the lymphatic system does is carry that lymph around, regulate its content um, so as to prevent swelling or um, desiccation of different areas of the body. Um, but, but the lymph is also important, uh, the lymphatic system is also important because it includes not just those lymph vessels, but also specific nodes or glands such as the spleen, the thymus and some other ones which are very important for the production of lymphocytes or uh, white blood vessels of various sorts or, or certain types of white blood vessels I should say so it, it forms an important component of the immune system and uh, various white blood cells move around through the lymphatic vessels or at least sometimes they move around th- through the lymphatic vessels to, to get to places that they need to and to access tissues and so on uh, so uh, we'll talk more about that in uh, w- when we go through immunology but just remember we actually have two sort of Two vessel systems, uh, networks throughout the body. Well, actually, we sort of have three because the nervous system is kind of one of those as well, but two that are comprised of connective tissue, uh, which surrounds sort of hollow passages which transmit fluid in the, in the middle, one being the circulatory system, the other being the lymphatic system. And finally, moving on from the lymphatic system, the immune system, of which the lymphatic system is a, a part, uh, is just the set of structures and also sort of broader processes that help protect an organism against disease by identifying and killing pathogens, and also tumour cells. People perhaps uh, know that the immune system is responsible for killing things like germs and bacteria, uh, viruses and bacteria. They may not realise that it's also important for tackling tumor cells tumor cells which is why many people who are afflicted with um, HIV HIV AIDS and therefore have compromised immune systems actually many of them end up dying of some form of cancer because their immune systems don't don't have the ability to or have a greatly diminished ability to to fight off that cancer the immune system can also do some harm in that it can also attack non-dangerous things for example our own tissue or organ implants Blood transfusion material, uh, or other things like pollens and other allergens that that shouldn't be attacked. So once again, we'll look at that more in more detail in the immunology episode, which I'll do later on. But Yeah, the basic purpose of the immune system is to protect from pathogens and tumour cells and other things that would attempt to hijack the body. So all of those systems that I've just gone through, skeletal, muscular, integumentary, lymphatic and immune, are all broadly responsible for maintaining the structural integrity of the body, helping it to move around and moving things around inside it and also protecting the body against outside uh, injury or influences. Um, now that, that's only a very broad categorization There's other ways you could do it And there are sort of other Sort of more minor functions of these systems as well But broadly that's what all those do They work together quite closely in that respect The next four systems that I want to go through Are all broadly responsible for metabolism That is essentially generating uh, energy um, for, for the body to use In uh, carrying out its functions So the first of those I want to talk about Is the respiratory system This consists of the lungs And associated airways and, and muscles For example the diaphragm Which helps... Um, Which is basically responsible for breathing, opening and closing the, expanding and contracting the lungs to, so that you breathe in and out. Basically, the purpose of the respiratory system is to bring in gases from the exterior of the body, um, uh, extract the oxygen necessary, and get rid of the other uh, waste gases like carbon dioxide that we don't need, and then uh, expel that air again and bring us a new air. So basically, it's moving around, it's moving air into the body and exchanging gases, and moving that air out again. That's basically what the respiratory system does. The respiratory system is very closely associated with the circulatory system, which I mentioned before. The circulatory system is the heart and associated blood vessels. The circulatory system uh, carries nutrients, gases, hormones, and other things, um, including white blood cells, uh, throughout the body, basically to and from all cells in the body, to help... Uh, Maintain homeostasis, which I'll talk about in a second. Uh, Homeostasis basically means like stable uh, conditions necessary for life. Basically, the circulatory system is the infrastructure is the is sort of the basic infrastructure of the body, kind of like roads and the kind of like if you combine electricity, roads, waste disposal, and the water system is sort of a. Physical economic infrastructure analogies to what the circulatory system does—you might get a better perception. It carries—it not only carries nutrients to the cells, but also energy, it also oxygen, and it transports wastes away. The circulatory system is also responsible for stabilizing body temperature and pH and various other things, and also transporting around white blood cells, which are responsible, which are part of the immune system and responsible for fighting infections. So it's very important the circulatory system, which is why that. Which is why if you get things like a blocked blood vessel or an aneurysm or heart conditions, heart disease of various sorts, they can be very and very immediately life-threatening. Okay, so that's the circulatory system. Moving on now to the digestive system. Now, I've said that the circulatory system transports nutrients uh, to cells so that they can carry out their metabolic processes. But I haven't said where it gets those from. Well, it gets some of those nutrients from the respiratory system. Well, if, if we interpret nutrients in the broad sense as including oxygen, which is something, it's not exactly a nutrient, but it's something that the cells need for metabolism. But most of the rest of the stuff that the circulatory system transports around comes from the digestive system, which is the purpose of which is for the breakdown and absorption of food uh, material to provide nutrients. Nutrients include not only basic energy like sugar and lipids, but also other vitamins and minerals and, and things that the body needs uh, to carry out metabolism, to build proteins, and so on. And once again, we'll look at those in more detail in a later episode. The, the digestive system's um, one of the—it's not one of the largest in terms of mass, but it is one of the largest in terms of the number of organs. Uh, a number of internal organs and also the amount of space that it takes up sort of inside the body. So uh, the digestive system includes the mouth and the teeth, the esophagus, uh, the stomach, the small intestine, and the large intestine, rectum and anus. So uh, basically it forms a big long passage right from the mouth through the anus that, that goes throughout the entire body and along which the digestive process and extraction of uh, nutrients and energy uh, takes place. And then these nutrients go into the circulatory system and are carried to the cells that... uh... Finally, we've got the urinary system, which is a somewhat of a neglected system. You know, everyone knows about the respiratory, circulatory, and digestive system, but the urinary system doesn't get as much attention. Perhaps rightly so, because it's kind of boring. It's basically just the two kidneys, uh, the urethra and the bladder, and also the urethus, basically passages connecting the bladder to the kidneys. So it's not as... Interesting, perhaps, but it does perform a very important role, which is the storage, production, and production, storage, and elimination of urine. And that's necessary for regulating the body's water content and also um, maintaining homeostasis, for example, by ma- managing the pH of the body's pH and also blood pH, uh, electrolyte levels, and things like that. So that's why, if you have kidney disease or have kidney failure, you start to turn funny colors like green uh, because basically toxins. Uh, and metabolic waste products and other things that you need to remove from your body are not being removed, uh, not being filtered or removed by the kidneys as they should be, so you can die pretty quickly uh, with kidney failure. So it is a very important system if it's perhaps uh, a little bit less interesting than some of the other ones. Okay, so all of that's metabolism. All of that is connected to uh, bringing in the necessary nutrients to the cells, which use it to metabolize, produce energy and, and other things that they need, and then moving away the waste products. Uh, the final group that I want to look at, well, the final, final main group that I want to look at is communica- specialized for communication, the endocrine system and the nervous system. Now, these two systems work quite closely together, uh, especially in the brain, because uh, a lot of the uh, more important uh, endocrine glands are in the brain, for example, the pineal gland and the pituitary gland. But basically, the endocrine system is a system of glands, which are tissues that excrete hormones into the body, which uh, go into the bloodstream. That is, the, the glands excrete the hormones, and the hormones go into the bloodstream. And these hormones are basically chemical messengers that regulate the body in various ways they help maintain homeostasis, tell the kidneys how much water to extract or to put out, tell the circulatory system um, about how much to dilate the blood vessels or tell the heart uh, in the respiratory system... Um, oh, excuse me, tell the lungs in the respiratory system how... Um, fast they should um, uh, bring out, how fast they should breathe, basically, and so on. So it helps to regulate other systems of the body through releasing uh, or taking up those hormones. And the endocrine system, as I've said, includes the adrenal glands, the pineal gland, the pituitary gland, the hypothalamus, uh, and various other glands. The nervous system is a network of specialized cells that exist right throughout the body called neurons, and also their associated, you might say, helper cells, which are called glial cells. Now the purpose of the uh, nervous system is essentially to coordinate the actions of the organism and uh, by transmitting signals, electrical signals, throughout uh, between different parts of the body. The overall control of the nervous system is obviously exercised by the brain, but the nervous system is not just the brain, it also includes the spinal cord, peripheral nerves which innervate uh, and give direction to muscles in the hands and legs and uh, various Uh, internal organs and so on. Interestingly the nervous system also includes the retina um, uh, that is the back of the eye and uh, many of the sensory systems for uh, 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 sensory uh, systems for example neurons and pain receptors in in the fingers and so on although you can sort of call that part of the integumentary system as well so there's there's some overlap there but that's the basic purpose of the nervous system to coordinate actions of the body by transmitting electrical signals Uh, and we'll cover we'll cover the nervous system and how it transmits signals in more detail quite soon I'm hoping to do an episode on that in the not too distant future so endocrine system nervous system closely related together both for the purpose of communication and regulating the whole body the rest of the body finally the one system that doesn't really fit into my categorization system is the reproductive system its purpose is obviously reproduction. It's a system of organs which work together for the purpose of reproduction. This is the main system that's well very different between male and female, and it's really the main distinction between the two sexes. Uh, it inc- the reproductive system includes the external genitalia, the penis in the male or the vulva in females, and also internal uh, gamete-producing gonads, that is the testicles in males, ovaries in uh, females, and also associated organs like the uterus vans deferens and so on once again more details about that in a future episode okay so that's all the human systems i'll just list them again briefly for the purpose of structure and protection we've got the skeletal system muscular system integumentary system that's the skin lymphatic system and the immune system for the purpose of metabolism we've got the respiratory system circulatory system digestive system and the urinary system for the purpose of communication we've got the endocrine and nervous systems and then finally we have the reproductive system by itself now that I've gone through the systems and given you a basic idea of, how they, of what they do, I just want to sort of have a, give a brief discussion, overview, give you a feel for how they work together, how the systems of the body work together to fulfill the f- uh, function of the organism to, do what, to, to fulfill their purpose, but also as to why we need all these systems, as to sort of how they fit together to um, help an organism do what it does. So I'll just get into it, and hopefully you'll, you'll get the feel of what I'm trying to do here. Basically, the purpose of an organism... With a few exceptions, but essentially the purpose of a single organism is to survive and reproduce as successfully as possible. And all the organ systems within the body are in some way tailored to help achieving this goal. Um, an organ system generally fulfills one broad function in achieving that goal of survival and reproduction and an organ uh, fulfills a more specific goal and then tissue and cell and, and so on down. Now I say that that's essentially correct because in, in, for example, you social species like some insects ants, and bees and so on, it's maybe a little bit misleading to say the purpose of a single organism is to survive and reproduce because an a or- uh, uh, often a single organism, a single ant by itself, doesn't actually reproduce. It it only reproduces um, by helping the queen reproduce, for example, or by fulfilling a specific function within the the hive. Um, and, there, and there are other examples of sort of what we would think of as strange sort of relationships within within animal or non-animal species. But by and large, the purpose of a single organism, even if it might cooperate with others and someone, is is to survive and uh, reproduce and produce as many of its own offspring as possible of the highest quality and making sure enough of them survive and so on. So that's essentially the meaning of life of an organism. That's its purpose. So organ systems, all organ systems operate in order to fulfill that purpose. Obviously, the reason for that is simply evolution, that any organism or any organ system that developed that had any purpose other than reproducing and surviving and reproducing, you know, it's possible, but if such a thing existed or if such a thing evolved, it wouldn't be around anymore. It wouldn't last very long because organisms which evolved to survive and reproduce better would become more prevalent as time went on, obviously, because they're reproducing and surviving better, and therefore, before long, any organism which doesn't evolve for surviving and reproducing isn't around anymore, or its descendants aren't around anymore. So that's why um, organisms have evolved this way, and also how they've evolved that way. Okay, so now I want to go through the systems and sort of give you a feel for what role they play in surviving and reproducing, of helping the organism survive and reproduce, um, and how they and particularly how they work together to do that. So obviously, if you're going to reproduce, you need a reproductive system, the role of which is to produce, incubate, and then deliver the gametes at the correct time and location so that you can produce an offspring. Now, that's fairly obvious. But once, you, once you've got a reproductive system, obviously you're going to need um, ability to uh, generate those cells to provide them with, with nutrients, to provide them with protection and the right environment, and so on. Those systems in the reproductive system, and also the cells of your... Uh, prodigy as well, but going to require energy and nutrients um, necessary to synthesize proteins, um, to undergo cell division, to replicate DNA, all that stuff that, that cells have to do. I refer back to the episode we did on the cell. Uh, it requires energy and nutrients, prote- amino acids, that sort of thing, in order to do that. So you've got to get those from somewhere. And that's where the digestive system effectively comes in, which consumes the... F- and then digest the food, extracting the necessary materials and uh, for use by the, these cells that we have in the reproductive system, and also now the cells that we have in the digestive system. In order to get these nutrients you know, from where they're being digested in the digestive system to the cells that need them, like to the cells in the reproductive system, we have to have some mechanism to do that. That's that's a separate task from just getting the nutrients, and therefore that is where the circulatory system comes in. That's the network of um, blood vessels, which, um, among other things, transports the nutrients from the digestive system to uh, the reproductive system and other cells that need uh, that need it. Okay, so now we've got a source of energy and other nutrients, we've got a mechanism for getting that to the reproductive system, uh, but we still have a problem because the way that animals generate energy, certainly the way the humans generate energy, is by well a complicated system of uh, interactions. Uh, sorry, a complicated system of chemical reactions, which together are referred to as metabolism, and we haven't done—I haven't discussed that in detail yet, but I will do so soon. Basically, metabolism starts with glucose, which is a simple sugar molecule, a simple um, a simple monosaccharide, and converts that into energy and carbon dioxide and water. That's the chemical reaction known as respiration. Now. That's useful because the organism needs energy, and that's why this reaction occurs. It's, it's done to generate the energy that the organism needs to survive and to carry out its other its other chemical reactions, which are um, endothermic chemical reactions. That is, they require energy in order for them to take place because they're highly complicated. They wouldn't take place just naturally by themselves, so they require that extra input of energy. However, in order for the um, respiration chemical reaction to take place... Um, you require not only constant inputs of glucose. Okay, that's what the digestive system is for. You also require constant inputs of oxygen because basically you need those oxygen atoms to continually accept waste electrons, which are generated by a previous process of the, of breaking the process of breaking apart the glucose molecules. You have these ex- excess electrons, which you need to go somewhere, which need to be taken up by some other atom. Otherwise, they just sit around and repel further electrons, and the and the uh, chemical reaction would stop. And because um, elect- uh, oxygen atoms have a very high electronegativity, they're very good for accepting those waste electrons and so that's what most animals and certainly humans have evolved to do they take in oxygen use it to accept the waste electrons that occur when you break apart glucose and thereby thereby perpetuate the respiration uh, chemical reaction necessary for metabolism okay all of that is a long way of saying of saying that we need if 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 cells are going to make use of the nutrients and energy that they've obtained from the digestive system they need oxygen and that's where the respiratory system comes in It, it brings in that oxygen and also removes and uh, exhales that carbon dioxide waste product that builds up as a a consequence of respiration. Okay, so now we've got a digestive system, a respiratory system, a circulatory system, and a reproductive system. You might think we're set, but the trouble is that food, air, and water, and also other things that animals need, like, for example, a shelter from the environment or to escape from predators or whatever, they're not always easy to get. They're certainly not always in the location where you need them. By the way, reproductive partners can be described as difficult to get as well. So in order to get, say, food, water, shelter, and so on, it's helpful to be able to move around, hence the need for muscular and skeletal systems, in addition to their um, benefits in also protecting and sort of providing structure to the organism itself. However, once you start moving around, you're going to need to take into consideration what your environment is you know because you don't want to walk off a cliff or straight into a predator so you need to have some way of interacting with your environment to uh, respond to stimuli and that's what the nervous and endocrine systems are for the nervous system sort of specializes in fast specific control uh, of particular things like moving the legs here running over here um Getting frightened and running off or hiding, whatever. The endocrine system specialises for sort of slower and more more widespread, sort of body wide, but also longer lasting control, like feeling hungry or feeling tired, so it's time to sleep and so on. So the nervous system and endocrine system work together in responding to the environment and helping to direct, among other things, the muscular and skeletal system into in, into what they should do. But they specialise in different things. The nervous system is sort of the specific short term outcomes actions. The endocrine system more long term, widespread. Uh, body-wide actions or or commands. Okay, so we've already put in most of the systems by now, and you can see that they all have their important role to fulfill. However, the trouble is that with all of the complex chemical reactions occurring, all the proteins and carbohydrates and lipids that are being produced and and stored in, in these different systems that we've set up, and also the complex cellular machinery that we have to get it all running, it's going to be necessary to protect all this stuff against other organisms that might want to co-opt all of these nice resources for their own use, essentially their own reproduction. And that can occur in different ways. It can occur through predation, just someone might want to eat you and take up those nutrients, or they might want to infect you and, say, inject themselves into your cells and... and, Hijack the cells into producing copies of themselves. That's what viruses do. Or they might just want to leech off you and uh, withdraw your nutrients, or benefit you, uh, benefit from you in other ways, like a parasite does, a leech, for example. So, so there's different ways organisms might want to do that. Basically, take advantage of your of your nutrients, your proteins, your lipids, cell, your cellular machinery, and so on. And that's what the lymphatic and especially the immune system afford to protect against. That to stop others from taking advantage of all your specialized machinery and and other things that you've acquired to facilitate your own reproduction. Okay, so. Given that we've put all this in place, all this machinery in place, and now protected it from uh, external problems, there's still one issue that even if even if this body that we've that we've got is protected from external threats, we haven't provided any mechanism or any sufficient mechanism for protecting against internal problems, because essentially this. Body, this organism that we're, that we're sort of imagining that we're building is a giant collection of chemical reactions, metabolism being one of them, but there's protein synthesis and breaking down proteins and lipids and all sorts of, basically everything that occurs in the human body is some sort of chemical reaction, most things anyway. And it's necessary to safeguard and carefully manage the conditions in the body to ensure that those complex chemical reactions can t- continue to occur. Because if the pH or temperature or uh, water content or any of, you know, hundreds of other conditions go out of whack or are too high or too low, then the reactions or some reactions might stop or slow down too much or go in the wrong way and the body will stop functioning properly. This is what homeostasis is for, maintaining those specific conditions, especially things like pH and temperature, that are necessary uh, for the chemical reactions uh, requisite for life to be able to continue and therefore for the organism to be able to live and function now, the, the endocrine system is one uh, pr- plays some role in maintaining homeostasis, but the urinary system is also a, a very important player in that because it uh, basically monitors to ensure that the blood, say pH and electrolyte uh, levels are about the right levels in it, uh, retracts water and electrolytes or puts them back into the uh, bloodstream sometimes so as to maintain that level and then expels uh, urine as necessary to uh, r- remove those wastes, metabolic wastes from the body. So that's also a very necessary function. Uh, finally, the only system that we haven't put in yet is the integumentary system. But obviously, if you just had all of these organism uh, all of these organs and organ systems and tissues exposed to the world, they would dry up very quickly. Just be, uh, just get caught on bush and, and be torn off, or infected very easily, or, or whatever. So the integumentary system fulfills the quite you know, obvious role of keeping everything together, p- protecting the body, preventing it drying out, and, and, and so on. And that's it. That's all of the organ systems. So you can see from starting from a very basic assumption as that you know, we want to just reproduce, survive and reproduce, and given the conditions that creatures live in on Earth and given the requirement for oxygen and nutrients, a few basic things like that, uh, we essentially generate a requirement for really all of the organ systems that we have. Now, I'm not exactly trying to say that you can sort of derive complex life a priori or something weird like that. I'm just saying that there is a rational sort of comprehensible function that you can easily for our organ systems for mammalian especially human organ systems all animal organ systems that you can easily see just by looking at the process of evolution and um, the purpose essentially for which organisms have evolved okay so that's it for this episode i hope you enjoyed it and learned something I just took a look on iTunes, and I seem to be ranked at number 160, I think, on the natural uh, natural science podcasts. I don't really know how many there are, so I don't know if that's good or bad, but I would like to be higher than that. Obviously, the higher ranked I am, the more listeners, but in order to become higher ranked, I need more listeners. So it's kind of circular. So basically, what I'm asking you to do is... Uh, rate the podcast, leave comments on iTunes or anywhere else. You might get access to the podcast. Tell people about it. Encourage listeners. I'm going to be putting out a fair, uh, fairly rapid stream of episodes over the next couple of months, at least, and hopefully keep it more regular over the next year, but definitely over the next couple of months, there'll be lots of new episodes coming out, so there's uh, lots of exciting things going on. Other podcasts, as you probably know, sort of stay around for six months or you know, a week and then you never see them again. I certainly don't plan, to do, don't plan on doing that. I've already continued the podcast for over a year now and I plan on doing it for many years to come. If I ever do stop making the episodes for any substantial period of time, I will definitely post a note or um, brief message or something like that letting you know about it and the reasons for it. So I'm not just going to leave the podcast and, and let it disappear as some do. So, you needn't fear about that. This podcast is going to be useful material for Long time to come, so that's a good reason for encouraging new listeners. So, with that exhortation over, I thank you for listening again, and I'll talk to you next time.